Hello and welcome again to another episode of Empire. I am Pete Barenberg, here along with Nick DeFrancesco, CEO and founder of PureWell. How's it going today, Nick? Pete, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, just getting over 4th of July and uh, we have a great guest on today. I'm talking about one of the best pound per pound UFC fighters ever to compete in the octagon. You're talking about undefeated UFC champion, legend himself, Frank Shamrock. Frank, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic, man. Just had a great 4th of July. Excellent. I like the hat supporting the U.S. as we need more of that, that's for sure. The um, So, I mean, we'll get back. We'll get right into it. Obviously, Empire, we wanted to talk to you a little bit of cannabis. We've got so many amazing things that you've done in your career we want to talk about. But, um, but I remember you saying something about um, you found cannabis was a wonderful pain reliever for you during the time that you did fight. Uh, you use it for your entire sports career, all the world championship titles, everything that I achieved. I use cannabis on a daily basis. You've always dealt with pain from a spinal dose. Tell me a little bit about it. It's a vertebrate, it's a vertebrate defect in your lower back. Um, and how that's really affected you as well and how cannabis helped you. But, uh, why did you use, uh, cannabis or what did you use for pain before cannabis came along um and and what you did to discover cannabis could help you with your pain for sure yeah well before uh cannabis i drank actually to kind of <laughs> alleviate the pain it wasn't very <laughs> it wasn't very fruitful or helpful uh to me um but um yeah and i tried you know pain pills i tried you know aspirins and all that stuff and and um it didn't really work. Pain is just too great. Uh, the best thing I ever found was cannabis and ice. Literally the two combo of the two, you know, extended my career for, you know, five, six, seven more years. Um, and, uh, you know, in particular for me, I was never into fighting. I was really scared of it. So besides relaxing me physically and, and um, help me with the pain, it was a great physical relaxant just to calm my mind and, you know, put me in a place of, of comfort where I could heal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I've tried everything for pain and, um, I live in constant pain. I, uh, my spine is not actually connected properly. And so I just lack stability. So anything that causes instability or unbalances my spine just causes me horrible pain. Uh, what was the name? Cause I obviously yeah. botched it. What's oh, the name? It's a, yeah. It's called a spondylolisthesis. Spondyl and Samson. Yeah. You're so close. <laughs> yeah. And for. <laughs> For short, they call the doctors call it a spondy. So I have a spondy, is what they call it. And this was something that you had when you were a child growing up, or is it because of sports? Yeah. Now, uh, it, it, uh, we discovered it when I was 16. So I was playing basketball, and one of my, my right leg actually went numb. And then uh, they took me to the doctor. My spine had a giant S in it, and they x rayed me and found that I had at some point broken one of my vertebrae. Uh, and the only thing I can think of is I fell off a two-story roof when I was a kid and I wasn't supposed to be up there and it hurt really, really bad. And I didn't tell anybody. So, you know, that's probably that, it. That probably was it. Yeah, because <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, when you were fighting, obviously it didn't look like anything was, uh, was hurting you. That's for sure. Definitely not your back. I mean, probably one of the most notable fights is, I mean, that people would probably remember is Tito Ortiz, the war that you had with Tito and obviously the relentless, um, I mean, just 
I mean, the effort, the uh, the perseverance, the grit, the determination. I mean, you wore somebody out that was so much bigger than you. Came in weighing in, you know, for the for the fight. But I mean, you were you would walk around at your weight almost every single day. Tito's kind of cut. Tito came down for that fight, and you just, I mean, oh my God, one of the one of the best battles ever, and that's why. Obviously, they wanted a rematch, and we'll get into all that stuff as well. But I'm more interested on, on the fact of when we talk to athletes, they're always talking about how they have all these great doctors and all of this giving them the direction. Is it the same in the UFC? Do, do you feel like they get that same care? Um, you know, you said, oh, I tried pain pills. I was drinking, all this stuff. Do you feel like they you have a lot of um, medical um I don't know, just information or, you know, what would be good for your body, what not to uh, more or less than maybe professional athletes in like, let's say football or basketball, hockey, things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's certainly gotten better, right? Cause when I was doing it, you know, we were just figuring both the technical side out and the, you know, nutrition, cardiovascular. Um, so yeah, they certainly have all the information. I don't think they have the same, you know, quality of medical care, like say is the NFL, just, you know, just dollars and cents. Um, when I was doing it, um, I just sought out the best care. So I found the best doctors. I found the best chiropractors. I found the best, you know, sports people. And I personally hired them. And that's how I was able to, you know, keep my career going. Yeah. I don't think people realize that it's a lot more, I mean, and obviously, uh, you know, Paul now talks about how the UFC fighters and Joe Rogan, how the UFC fighters and MA fighters are not really getting paid for what they they should be, you know, what they deserve. Um, and it's obviously must be the medical care as well, um, which is upsetting because, you know, you're putting your money, your, your body on your line. And you feel like you should be compensated for that. Um, and that's why I asked. I, I didn't think it would be the same. But getting back to cannabis or how did you discover cannabis since you were trying all these other things, kind of doing your own self-healing, um, who turned you on to cannabis? Well, I started when I was a kid. You know, I grew up in the country and, um, you know, we smoked as recreation. We fiddled around. Um, but once I started training seriously, like lifting weights really heavy and, you know, once I got into my early 20s, um, it just, I found I could sleep, I could relax, I could rest. And it, it made the difference for me in the ability to recuperate my body and then to have my mind fresh. And whereas when I drank, or I took pills or, you know, other pain stuff, I would wake up and I would still feel, you know, the effects of the pills or the drinking. Uh, with cannabis, I didn't. I rested well, I woke up, I felt great, you know, and it was just a great medicine overall. Well, it was kind of interesting because I remember you were saying that you had to stop a little bit before the fight. <laughs> because of testing and, and things yeah. like that. And, um, which, and we'll, we'll get into it. I think that's changed a little bit now. Um, but did you feel like there was a drop off? Okay. Cause you said you don't really like to fight, right? You didn't really want to fight and get into that. Was it easier? And then you said you took marijuana or you took cannabis to kind of ease your mind and, and that, but did you notice a difference when you had to kind of stop cold Turkey, those first, those, couple weeks going up to the fight and then immediately afterwards just the body relief because obviously you're still training to get into that fight i mean yes you there is the fight where you're taking that physical abuse but how much physical abuse are you putting on when you're training i mean that's got to be grueling so you really must be missing the cannabis if that was the one that was working for you 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was, you know, I wouldn't sleep good. You know, I wouldn't feel as good. Uh, my body would go through, you know, kind of a, um, you know, where's my medicine relaxant process. And then, um, and then I would just get used to it. Uh, but I wouldn't, you know, I certainly wouldn't feel as comfortable. I wouldn't feel as relaxed. I wouldn't eat as well. Uh, Couldn't recover so, in your training, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, and then, you know, you got to think the stress of training for three months, you know, to perform for 10 minutes. Um, you know, it's just a lot uh, of energy for one moment. And leading up to that, it just takes a tremendous amount of focus and, and uh, discipline to stay prepared and perform. Cannabis, you know, kept me in that space. Without it, it was just a little more frustrating. Uh, but trust me, as soon as I won, you know, it's right back on my uh, <laughs> regiment. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, it's because I remember you saying you want, you felt very conflicted about keeping it private. You know, um, talking about cannabis back then, how we are now, um, was that something that um, was was taught talk to you about? Like, don't talk about cannabis. Was that something for you inside of a stigma? of having cannabis and being a fighter did any pr people tell you to keep it on the wraps or is that why did you feel like you thought it needed to be kept private and maybe you're speaking about it now well you know just um a it wasn't legal and you know or legalized to a point of acceptance and um you know, I got a lot of uh, skeletons in my closet. I was a convict. I was a fighter. I was all these different things. And so when I became very successful, uh, I realized that, you know, there's certain elements that we probably should just, you know, tone down or <laughs> speak about less. And uh, going to prison was one of them because I could <clears throat> see the effect it had on people when I right. politely told them I finished prison then I moved on to sports. Um, so, yeah, it just... I realized it wasn't popular, it wasn't accepted, and I was in a position of leadership and communication and, and um, fame. And so when it became legalized, I you know, really sat down with the team and I was like, guys, this is, it's wrong that we're not supported. Like it's wrong. And, and we, should, we should be right because it's right. And it's a good medicine. And um, you know, we got some pushback, but I was very intent on it because uh, it's truthful and it's helping people. Um, but yeah, nobody ever said anything. It was all me. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, there was a time when you could not talk about it. And was there a lot time. of other guys doing the same thing? Like where you found that, yeah. like uh, all of a sudden, yeah. secret smokers, everybody was hiding yeah, yeah. In, in the corner <laughs> yeah. doing it. Yeah. Well, everybody was doing it because, you know, if you experiment, you'll find it's a better medicine than all the other medicines out there for physical performance. So if you just hang out in sports long enough, you'll realize, huh. It's a really good medicine. So it's more accepted to just chew some Vicodins around the room and then keep this pot smoking under wraps, which is insane. Yeah. It, it, 100%. Unbelievable. This is what, uh, again, we get frustrated every time we have these conversations. Well, it looks like they're getting it right. Since uh, late August, positive cannabis tests have no longer triggered fines and suspensions of the UFC fighters, though athletes can still face punishment from state athletic commissions. How do you feel cannabis could benefit fighters now that they don't have to worry about drug tests, meaning they can dose all the way up to fight time right after, during, and all that grueling training that you were talking about that it could have probably benefited you then? Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish this had happened back when I was doing it. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I think 
any person doing contact sports should have cannabis oils in their brain to protect them. I think it's ridiculous that they don't. If you're ever going to bump your head, if you're ever going to take contact to your brain, you have to have some neuroprotectants in there. And cannabis is a natural neuroprotectant. It's proven. So it's insane that anybody goes into a contact sport and is not consuming neuroprotectants. Um, if, uh, what everybody is finding is it's just a better medicine. And, and all this illegality, all this stuff, it has nothing to do with science. The science is, is clear. It's just stigma and BS and racism and, and immigration and all this other stuff that's really tied to this. It has nothing to do with the actual medicine itself. So, yeah, I applaud the sport. Very I mean, we're, we're going in the right direction. And, you know, another hundred years we'll be there. <laughs> now, people yeah, come on. Really. Right. Another hundred years is right. Now, I do get the hard hitting questions here. So let's talk about what you liked, okay? So, um, you know, they said a lot of the OG varieties, but like, what are you a big fan of for dosing or did you use capsules? Were you smoking? Um, what types of cannabis do you like to use? And, you know, just try to get to know a little bit more about Frank and what his go-tos are. Yeah, so my medicine is uh, indica. I do the super purplies and the really fruities, anything that's like uh, deep body relaxation and uh good good mental relaxation and then uh, when i travel i take a oil with me i put it on salads and put it in my coffees and teas and um because it's easy to move around um i do some edibles and stuff like that but my go-to is you know a little bit of smoke like right away instant you know body relaxation and then i'm off to the races and what do you think about uh, or even back then i don't know if they had them the topicals like a salve or a roll-on. We have a lot of athletes and, and people that use those now for more direct. Um, is that something, you know, obviously we're more of a CBD-based company. We do have THC, broad spectrum uh, items, but uh, we have a lot of topicals that we use for our athletes. And um, and it's just funny because I was leading into Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz have gotten into the CBD business as well. Um, what do you think that CBD products out there and do you think, are they effective? Have you tried them yourself? Um, and how do you feel like that versus the THC that you've been using as well? Yeah, I mean, I've tried about every product you could ever imagine. Um, a lot of the roll-ons are really good. You know, for me, it's really the, the um, you know, how are we crossing the skin barrier and what's our absorption? Like how much medicine are we getting? So the uh, encapsulation of that, the pass-through, all of that is fascinating and, and the science is rapidly developing in that. So it's getting better on absorption and how much you can take in your body. Um, CBD is wonderful. You know, like it's a fantastic medicine. It will totally rebalance your system and, you know, level things out. Um, but if you add the whole plant spectrum to it, you will 3x that medicine, 4x that medicine. So it just, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, we're obviously, uh, you know, big fans of full spectrum. We like to have all the cannabinoid profiles, including THC in it. We like to also add a lot of molecules to ours as well. Um, you were talking about uh, nanotechnology or different ways to infuse. We have a roll on that actually is nano infused. We, we definitely got to get you some stuff over there so you can try it and yeah, see man. if you like. Um, but getting back, uh, we, we were watching a couple videos today and I gotta be honest with you, Frank. I mean, we're bringing back some, some memories of the early UFC, but 
people have no idea how dominating you really were. Um, you know, of course, everyone knows Ken and, um, but a lot of things that you did for not just the UFC for mixed martial arts as a whole of training techniques and things like that. And that's why I thought it was kind of interesting as well. Somebody that had created all these new training methods, all these different types of, of ways to be successful in the octagon. Cause what I loved about conditioning, of course, all doing cannabis. So obviously we know that there's um, a lot of benefits and it doesn't hinder you. But what I thought was cool was you were the first most well-rounded fighter. You used to go into fights knowing exactly what your opponent did and you kind of prepared for that. And I, I feel like people don't realize that when a lot of these guys came in back in the day, they weren't really, they didn't have a specialty. They had one specialty, but they weren't ra- rounded. And that was the one thing with you is like, you wanted to go to the ground. We could do it. You wanted to strike. You could do it. Um, obviously well, they can try. It's not like they can necessarily do it. <laughs> right. Of course. And then having some of the fastest knockouts, I mean, still holds the record for the fastest knockdown ever. We went through a little, and we won't get into this deep, but one of the guys that you did take off, uh, take out was, uh, Igor who, who ended up, uh, having to retire from the UFC and becoming uh Pete who's who's the bodyguard that he was he was the bodyguard for oh that would be big head Epstein <laughs> big, which was uh kind of interesting when we watched that of everything that's going on of course with Epstein and Maxwell and everything else so it was kind of funny so you beat him so bad he had to retire and then he became you know a bodyguard for not the best man to be honest with you but um I just thought it was amazing that they kind of, even Dana White to this day, didn't give you the credit that you deserve because you wanted to build another brand. Um, you know, I know how you exposed Kimbo Slice as a flash in the pan and he was 18 seconds. I mean, you did things that people needed to hear, wanted to hear, should have heard. And the UFC was the empire and you kind of went against that. Uh, you know, what inspired you to just kind of do things different, retire on top, uh, which was amazing that you did that as well. Um, it just seems like you always did things by your own beat of your own drum. And I guess did that come from your childhood or you can focus on anything that I just talked about, whatever you want to, however you want to answer. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm a pretty smart dude. And I realized that uh, what we're doing is crazy. Fighting in a cage is insane and people are going to get hurt and it's just ridiculous. And so I really, truly never really wanted to fight. And the fact that I ended up there was, you know, just really bad life choices and (laughs) decisions I'd made. Um, So I really felt like I had nothing else in my life. And that was it. I was going to fight and become successful or I was going to, you know, spend my life in prison. So I had a, a real strong desire to do it. And then, um, you know, when I got there, it was a bunch of tough guys, but nobody really knew what was going on. And I grew up on the streets and I learned to survive. So I learned that you need to learn this stuff. Like somebody has to figure it out. Somebody has to figure all this stuff out. And when I went around and met people, and I talked to them, I'm like, hey, this is my question. And I realized nobody was telling me the truth because nobody knew the answer. And so I went, ah, all right, well, let's go figure this out. And that's what I did. But 
Um, I never really wanted to fight. That's my secret. Everything I did was to get out. <laughs> I was always trying to get out. <laughs> That's why you ended it so quick. You didn't I want to stand in there. Get out, man. Yeah. So um, all my retire, everything I did was so that I could get out of this game and move to another world, industry, career, you know, et cetera. Uh, but along the way, I got really passionate about it. And I really fell in love with the study. My goal was to be the first complete fighter and the best fighter in the world. And I accomplished that. And then after that, I was like, wow, uh, it's not enough. So there's more to do. So we started working on the sport and then we started working on the rules and then we started working on leagues and all of that, you know, put me in a position where, you know, I was against the machines and I'm okay with it because at the end of the day, I got out, I got my money, I got my brains and my body and I was very successful at it. And cannabis was one of the best tools um, and the study of martial arts. And that's what I, I recommend those two items to everybody I come across. Well, yeah. And talk to me because you, you, uh, you, you got away from your brother um, and then you started your own uh, with two other guys um, and you started basically your own training uh, because again, it's kind of like, you know, you could give a man a fish or you could teach him how to fish and he can live for, and he could, uh, you know, eat forever. And the truth is, is that's kind of what you did. You, you, you really did change the face of martial arts on training methods and things. And, and I guess, how did you, you know, how did you come up with that? Is that just all self-taught Were these kind of a collective efforts with the, with the two other guys? Um, what made you, and then how far did that go after? Because I know you did a lot of endurance, a lot of different tactical training. I mean, you could tell us a little bit more about how you changed the face of MMA by doing the tactics that you were doing. For sure. Yeah. But when I started, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the sport. I, I'd been in prison, so I didn't even see it. Like, I didn't even know what, what was happening. So it was a very fresh experience for me. And then, you know, my very first experience was Ken beating the hell out of me for, you know, an hour. Uh, and that was my sort of intro. Um, but what it did for me is nobody had ever beaten me up. Nobody had ever, you know, kicked my ass before. So it, it kind of woke up my spirit like, hey, I, you know, this can't be happening to me. And so it did light a fire like, oh, I got to figure this out. And then, of course, I didn't want to get beat. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, it's funny because I just met this Hawaiian group. I moved to Carlsbad. I met all these Hawaiians. In Hawaii, it's the only place in the world where the UFC has never left television. So they have a full sport growth life cycle. Um, in America, when I became a rock star and did all the stuff I did, we got kicked off a of cable. So the audience had shrunk by 90%. So when I see the Hawaiians, I'm like Michael Jordan because it's never stopped the sports development or exposure over there. But in the rest of the world, I'm like a regular dude. Um, I tell you the story because all the Hawaiians think I'm crazy. They're like, you're crazy. They're like, you did all that stuff and you did all those things and the way you act and what you do, like you must be insane. And then when I sit with them, they're like, well, you're the nicest guy. And it doesn't make any sense in their brains because in their brains, a warrior is a big, manly, tough guy. And he walks around and he does tough things and manly things. And he's always tough. Um, and so they're just fascinated by me because I'm this soft, you know, small, you know, kind, you know, intellectual dude. And in fighting, I was completely on the outside. I was a nerd. I was a guy with the notebook. I was a guy asking all the questions. 
but you yeah. did then take your shirt off, and then they're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but, oh, yeah. You realize this yeah. guy might. Be I'm in Frank. Yeah, the funny. I think I told you guys, but the funniest part was, uh, unbeknownst to me, in that culture at that time, you don't ask questions; you just do. So I didn't know you weren't supposed to ask questions. So I had questions. I'd raise my hand. I'd kick my ass because you're not supposed to ask questions. You just do. And so I was outside of the world absorbing all the knowledge. And I took whatever was good. I took whoever was honest, whoever was pure, and I put them on my team. And that's how I became successful. Uh, yeah. I mean, awesome. look, at the end of the day, it's a mindset. And I think that uh, you willed yourself from where you came to becoming what you did. And, and I think more people need to do that. It's all about mindset. I really believe that. And you put your mind to it and you accomplished it. And that is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the show, not just because of your cannabis background. I just liked what you did and what you stood for. And and I'm a big proponent of mindset, whatever's going on in your life or whatever adversity. Um, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, today we talk about how there's been a number of MMM fighter, MMA fighters that are entering boxing, getting into the ring with YouTubers like Jake or Logan Paul or like Conor McGregor did with Floyd Money Mayweather. Do you think that it could be pulled out of – do you think that you could be pulled out of retirement? Now, I know we had this issue with Dana White, <laughs> okay? So um, do you think you could ever be pulled out of retirement for an expedition if the money was right? You know, I mean – now, uh, maybe you were older and, and, and things that you wouldn't want to fight anymore, but there was a time with Dana White, you said, I'll come out in retirement to fight Dana. <laughs> and, uh, and that's about it. But uh, what do you feel about these fighters doing this? Cross promotion, coming out, YouTubers. I mean, obviously, we talked about Kimbo Slice, you flying, uh, calling him out. So what's your opinion on this? You know, I like it. I mean, to me, we're entertainers, we're combat sports entertainers. So we're performers. Well, however you perform, you perform. If you got the legs and it looks good, go do it. I'm, I'm not doing it because <laughs> I, I don't want to fight. I'm good. You know, I had my journey. I know how to fight. If anybody shows up, I can kick their ass. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going around. Don't I'm not going behind around. it too quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, right. I'm, right. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm not going around looking for it, but I, it, it, here's, you know, uh, here's my boxing story. When I, after I brought strike force to Showtime, you know, I'd been boxing for about 10 years. I fell in love with boxing, sat down with the president of Showtime. I said, listen, um, I've been studying boxing. I could have a full on successful boxing career. I got the best boxing coach. I'm a super athlete. I'm a world champion. And uh, Ken Hirschman was the president at the time. And he uh, wisely sat me down and he goes, well, how much do you know about boxing? So I've been training for 10 years. I'm a rock star. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, you know, it's different. And you should come out and watch boxing with me. Come sit ringside. We'll watch boxing together. And then we'll talk boxing after. So I went to the fights. It was a championship match with Vic Darchinian, 112 pounds. And I sat right there. After four rounds, I turned to Stephen and I said, there's no way I'm doing this sport. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. These 112 pounders were socking each other so hard. And I was like, there's no way I'm letting a 175 pound man punch me in the head like that. So that was the end of my boxing career. Yeah, I was just going to ask you where you weighing in at. I was wondering about 170. When you were fighting in UFC, where were you? About 175, 180, 170? No, I walked around at 190. 190 for my entire career. I fought I was gonna, a 190. 
Yeah, I was going to say, because you definitely didn't look 170. I mean, you had to be near 190. I mean, Tito's not a, a little guy either. I mean, yeah. he's huge. So the fact is, is that you, oh yeah, no, it's, that was amazing to watch that. Um, so what do you suggest going forward or what do you think that people should be doing or what are you doing anything in cannabis um, moving forward? I mean, are you doing anything in cannabis or uh, to forward the narrative? Love to have you back on the show at some point, maybe work with us, um, but, you know, get you some products. But is there anything that you think that we should be doing more? Like I said, you know, uh, McGregor and, and, and Nate having these CBD brands, uh, you do think it's good for business? Do you think it, at least CBD should be more introduced to the fighters as well as THC? Yeah, I think all of it's good for business. I think all of it's good for people. Like in general, this is a medicine that grows naturally on the earth. It's good for people, period. So the more people that can have it, the more people that can, you know, access this access this medicine, the better. That's and the, and the more you talk about, it. I love what you guys are doing because at the end of the day, it's uh, normalizing the conversation and getting rid of the stigma. And when people have real conversations about, it, I just had a conversation with one of my clients about cannabis and sex, and she's a woman in her sixties. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but she's like, "Listen, uh, do you have some advice?" I said, "Yeah, this is my advice." And the the response was, "Oh my god, thank you so much! Like, this is amazing." And all it was was an addition of cannabis into her sex, you know, life. Uh, but she had never thought of it. She would never do it. She stigmatized you know, all these different ideas. And I'm like, it's great medicine. So once we cross that bridge and the more we talk about it, the better, the more, you know, conversations we can have to normalize it, the better. It's the education is key. The stigma is still there, but we are definitely getting somewhere. And again, the UFC now, other sports we're talking about that they're kind of turning away for testing or understand that it is being used with athletes in a good way that is not addictive. It's not habit forming. It's not bad for you. It's not going to, you know, cause side effects or contraindications or all the negative things that they say that it does. Um, it's just going to help improve your life. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a world-class UFC fighter to see the differences. You could be in your everyday life of sex, you know, or, or pain or inflammation or depression or sleep. Right. So, um, I really appreciate you being on today. Um, it's been a, it's been obviously enlightening, but fun to get to talk to you and, and, and to re reminisce about a couple of the, I know I grew up watching you. So I loved, I loved every minute of it. Thank you so much. And, um, peak, anything you need to add or want to add? Yeah, I'm going to get some. I was going to say, actually, uh, I do appreciate, obviously, all the time you had here. And as more people, you know, like legends like you uh, inside the ring, outside of their, you know, professional forum and actually continue getting out there, speaking up about the benefits, how they help them, how, you know, uh, there are things to learn about, whether it is entering, you know, um, just uh, to walk around or entering a bus or, you know, if you're trying to, you know, get in bed and you know, enter some uh, sexy time. So uh, either what it is, but as long as there's people out there that, you know, have a voice and they can get that knowledge somewhere, it's, it's, it's an awesome thing. So we thank people like you just, you know, helping forward that narrative and, and continuing what we're doing. So, you know, it, it's been a pleasure and uh, you know, everybody else who's out there, if you want to learn more, you know, 
talk to us more or learn more about any of the people we talk to, uh, you can always find us on Cannabis Radio, of course, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, anywhere. Just give us a like, subscribe, and that way you can uh, get informed and get educated as well and pass that narrative around. Thank you again, Frank. I really appreciate it. Um, And if you want, stay up a couple more minutes. We could talk after the show. Cool. opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.